Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Getting It Out Podcast. Whether you find yourself here from the blurb in Lancaster newspaper, or the Reader of the Month column in Decibel Magazine, or my appearances on many, many, many other podcasts, I want to thank you for being a listener, and I want to thank you for getting in on the ground floor five years in as Getting It Out Podcast is about to rocket to the moon in fame, is what I mean, because yesterday, the guy from Three Doors Down commented, on one of my posts, and that's as big as it gets before it gets big. That's what she said. That's what he said. One of those. Anyway, if I have anybody to go with me on my rocket ship to fame, I'm going to bring York, Pennsylvania Spellbook with me, who you just heard, because they deserve to be there anyway. That song was The Witch of Ridley Creek. It's off of their new album, Deadly Charms, which releases September 23rd and September 30th, depending on which way you read it. So be on the lookout for that. Cruz Del Sur music, straight up rock and roll. You like it, I love it. I like it more than you because I do things bigger than you. Um, That's what she said, or that's what he said, whatever works. Um, Anyway, I love that new record. It should be out there for everybody soon, but the music video for that track is out there for everybody now, so please go check that out and support that band. Pre-order Deadly Charms from Cruz Del Sur Music, wherever you can, right now. All right, what's happening on this episode of the podcast? Well, I've got an interview with Canadian thrash metal legend Dave Carlo from the band Razor, who's got a new album, Cycle of Contempt, coming this October on Relapse Records. We're going to talk about that, a little about the history, and uh, plenty of other things. You know how it goes here on Getting It Out Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me. Let's get into it. But first, Hot Zone. Check it! Make family out of friends! Make friends out of enemies! Peace to my family! Make friends till they bury me! All the places we've been! We're never sitting it out! We be getting it in! Why you getting it out? I said all the places we've been! We're never sitting it out! We'll be getting it in! Why you getting it out? Do you guys want to talk about sports? I bet you don't, but I do, and we do what I want to do here. So um, this this week was the first official week of the NFL season, and uh, I tried pretty hard not to get excited about it anymore. The Eagles won their first Super Bowl back in February 2018. It was right when I started this podcast. You can hear episodes about it if you uh, are a Patreon subscriber, because that's the only place those are available. But anyway, I haven't cared much since then. You hear in the intro, when I play the long version... At the end, it says, rest in peace, Jay Money. Uh, that was a good friend of mine who I was with that night. He was the only person I was with by the end of it. Well, that's not true. I was with Matt from Spirit World, too. But Jay, I was with the entire time, I should say. And uh, he died, unfortunately, shortly after that. So there's something about the Eagles winning their first ever Super Bowl. Me being in Philadelphia while it happened with my friend who's no longer here. Uh, like that, It can't be topped, in my opinion. Like That's the... How could it ever be better than that? So, I don't care anymore. Does that make sense? Is it weird? I don't know. People, you know, people, friends of mine who know that I'm a big Eagles fan, or was at least, used to be a big Eagles fan, are like, hey, you, you know, are you excited about the new season? And the reality is, I forgot it was coming. I forgot we were doing it again. I forgot that uh, football is still a thing. Because what's, what's going to happen? What's the best case scenario? They win the Super Bowl again? I'm not going to Philly again to do that. I did it. I was there for number one, Right. And, and, and if I was there, I would just be bummed my friend Jay's not there with me. And if they win again, that's great. I'm still going to watch them probably every week if I can. But uh, it's just the thrill isn't there anymore. I've, I've, 
I got it. We attained. Attained the supreme. Is that like a... That's like a shelter thing, right? Am I a Buddha or whatever they are? Do I put bird shit on my nose now? I don't know. Feels like I should. Uh, because I got it. I'm living in Nirvana. That's the word we're looking for. Every day, all day, in my head, on repeat. Ding, 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 ding. How many Nirvana riffs can I do like this before you turn this fucking podcast off? I just tried to think of one. Couldn't think of another one. I guess they don't have that many good ones. That's not true. That band rocks. Anyway, I was do. I am doing fantasy football again, which I feel like I'm stuck in. Uh, I don't know why I do it. I do feel like it makes me a miserable person. I stared at my phone way more, way more than I would on a normal Sunday. Not a normal weekday because when I'm at work, I look at it all day long because it's right in front of me. But on weekends, I tend not to. And on Sundays now, I will be looking at that stupid Yahoo Fantasy Football app waiting for updates. Seems like I got enough this time around. Looks like I got a win. But I lost three players in the first week. Thanks, George Kittle. Thanks, Keenan Allen. Thanks, Eli Mitchell. It's going to be a long one. But Justin Herbert's going to get me there. Saquon Barkley finally did some good. The Giants actually pulled that off. Only because uh, the other team fucked up. But, you know, that's that's very Giants. The Cowboys and that loser Dak Prescott are in last place where they're going to stay for the whole year. Carson Wentz and those nerds in Washington. The, the Washington C-Words got to win. I expected that, though, because the Jaguars suck. The Jaguars. Um, but, yeah. That's that's football talk. How about that? The Eagles barely beat the Lions, which is, they won the game. This is a very Eagles thing. They win the game, but in a way that makes it stressful. That's what Philadelphia does throughout their all their sports, but that's what they did this week to start it off. I expect that's what they'll do. Uh, not next week. They're going to lose to the Vikings, but you know you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah, so that's sports. Um, I know that uh, Canada doesn't have a an American football team, which makes a lot of sense when you say that out loud, right? <laughs> they do have the CFL. Thanks for Kurt Warner. We owe you that. Uh, but they also brought us four great thrash bands, four thrash metal heroes, I'm going to call them. The Canadian Big Four, some people call them. Yes, that's Voivod. Yes, that's Razor. Both guests of Getting It Out podcast. That also includes Sacrifice and who's the fourth one? Annihilator? Is that who they put in there? I think it is. Um, but yeah, so this episode is with Dave from Razor, and they are on the comeback trail. It's their first album in 25 years, Cycle of Contempt. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and some other things. Dave was a sweetheart of a man, and I was glad to take the time to speak with him. And I hope you'll enjoy our conversation as well. But first, I should play you a song from that record. How about the first single? The first track on the record and the first one they wanted you to hear will be the first one you'll hear right here Flames of Hatred by Razor Oh, my God. 
we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff, but mostly your new uh, new record cycle of contempt comes out September 23rd on Relapse Records. Right. Uh, first album in 25 years. Why yeah. Why are you back now? Well, the uh, the internet is what really got Razor back in the first place because Razor retired in 1992. Um, you know, we were around uh, started in '83. And we put out a bunch of albums. And then we, uh, in 1992, decision was made probably a year before that, that we were winding down just because the way the uh, scene was at that time, uh, people were getting turned on to death metal, getting turned on to alternative even, like, uh, you know, the Stone Temple Pilots and that kind of stuff. So uh, we just felt like, um, just you know, we weren't flavor of the month anymore, I guess. And uh, it wasn't going to, it didn't look like the 90s was going to be the, the decade of thrash metal. So we decided to move on and do something else. So I retired the band when the internet came back um, and became high speed, which is around the early 2000s. People started yeah. being able to download music and they started discovering us. And it wasn't just my own age, my own demographic, but younger people and um, just a whole range of different ages. And it got um, become, it became uh, more and more. And it got to the point where we started to get offers again and they became good enough that I couldn't keep turning them down. So I started looking at them seriously around 2010. We decided to reform in a way where we were actually going to be active regularly again and then by 2015 we decided we needed to do a new album because the reaction from the the uh, performing was so was so good all over the world uh we felt like we needed to do a new album so we just got the timeline worked out that it just got to the point where here we are pandemic slowed down things a little bit um we could have had this uh, three or four years ago but we got it done and we're, we're uh, ready to roll nice well what you talked about the internet playing a big role in the refor reformation reformation is up to how I say that word reformation oh, of, uh, <laughs> of the band. Um, and I know I forget when exactly I started seeing razor pop up on fests again. Uh, what, what year was that that you said you started taking those offers? Uh, but well, we started getting back to seriously playing in 2010, but we started getting more serious um, and uh, making an album decision around 2015. We mm -hmm. went back to the U.S. for the first time in a long time in 2015. We went to Maryland Death Fest and we played there. That's that's what I thought, and that's why I asked because at that time I was living in Baltimore, and I remember uh, I remember Razor being on there, and you guys were. Uh, right to the top from what I remember as far as, as yeah. billing was yeah. do you feel like do you feel like um, or you know because I wasn't around originally was was it almost like you came in high, at a higher billing than you left well that's hard to say I think the band is now becoming bigger than we were even back in the 80s and in yeah. the 80s we were doing pretty good um, the U.S. was always a tougher market for us because we never had the uh, support in the U.S. We didn't have agents or management in the States, and we needed it. It was, uh, it was a, a real Achilles heel for us. So we weren't getting enough opportunities to tour the U.S. So we were doing, just dealing with Europe and Canada most of the time uh, you know, in the 80s. And then, um, you know, but since, uh, since we've done the, uh, the reissues and the agreement with Relapse Records, which was 10 years ago, maybe around now, um, we focused more on, on the U.S. And um, 
that's so, yeah. Uh, and as far as our, our building goes, we've always been built high. I don't know. There's a respect level for the band and, and, and maybe the places we play, there's decent followings, but uh, we get built pretty high most of the time. So I'm, you know, I'm very grateful for that and uh, appreciate We actually ended up playing the headlining slot in that show because we were supposed to be in the sub headlining right before Sodom and they couldn't make it. So things got juggled a little bit. We ended up going on last and, uh, you know, um, you know, it went over well. It did good. It was fun. Awesome. Awesome. I'm always glad, always glad to, to see that, especially Death Fest, uh, being there so close to it for so long to see all the bands that came through there was really awesome. Yeah. And uh, they always did a great job of mixing in thrash with, you know, like it's booked as a or billed as a or advertised as a death metal fest. But there's a whole, they, they cover it all. And uh, they did he a good does. job. He does. He does. Great. Yeah. Fantastic promoter. And, and, and he does a number of festivals. It's just a great guy to work with. And I say guy, but it's a whole team, right? It's a huge right. team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they do a great job. Well, you mentioned the relapse reissues, and uh, it was three albums in in particular. Uh, which which it was the eighty. I can remember the years. I think eighty eight, eighty nine, and ninety one. Maybe was it those was albums? Pretty pretty close? pretty much yes. Um, that, that, those are the recording years. The release years right. are eighty eight, ninety, and ninety one. But yeah, okay. That, yeah. That was, <laughs> and yeah, those are the violent restitution, shotgun justice, open hostility. Those were the three reissues they did in twenty fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, and they went over pretty well from your perspective. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, they did a great job. They did a, you know, the nice thing is, is the label, well, the relapse, we, our partners everywhere um, that we work with, they're all metal enthusiasts. They're not, you know, they're not just business guys who are just trying to right. make a buck. They really care about the quality of what they what they release. And that makes it real easy to work with them because I know we all have our, uh, we're all focused on the same, same uh, principles, right? I get well. Hey, we were talking about geography and where we're from earlier before we were recording. I believe Relapse actually started here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. But anyway, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, yeah. I think Philly now, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, the so you also did you also release a a, a live record like from an old recording on on Relapse yes. somewhat more recently? Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't. It, it isn't that old recording. It is older, but it's from 2011. The recording, but the release okay. was 2016. So it took a few years to get it out. But it was from a Japanese uh, uh, trip we did in 2011 when things were just starting to heat up again and we realized it was time to get busy again. So we did that and we recorded that uh, professionally for the uh, for a live album. And uh, yeah, they did that one. Uh, it was 2016. And um, I'm not sure if Relapse, I, I, I have to remember, but I know that we originally released it through a German record label. That's one of our partners. And then Relapse did a really cool double album version of it. There's enough yeah. material there for album album and so we put more songs on it and we got a fuller uh, cooler version uh, out of the uh, relapse release yeah awesome well i'm asking all that because you, you obviously got this new record on a cycle of contentment coming on on relapse as well and was yeah. that did did either one of you push for that relapse or razor or was this just kind of the natural progression now we have a new album Really cool. I knew I was going to make a new album. And uh, what I've done is, um, you know, since um, well, a long time ago, um, since like 1988, is I will uh, record it, finance it and license it myself. Nice. And, uh, and and I do that. And it's that's arrangements work really well. Um, and in the case of Relapse, um, they expressed interest in this record before I'd even decided to make it. But, um, that they said, you know, if you do do one, talk to us first. And based on my experience with them, that was my intention. So we did that and uh, came to a nice agreement. And and the main thing is, is they've got like this one is pretty much their baby for the whole world. And um, you know, wh when I made this agreement with them, I just I only reserved one 
special run that a German label is allowed to do of 1,000 copies one year after the full worldwide release. But then the rest of it's all relapsed because of the deal we made. I'm extremely happy with it and uh, really excited about the job we're doing on it. They're doing a great job already promoting it. They set up so many interviews for me. It's beautiful. Yeah. I love working yeah, I, I think that's – I mean – Everybody has to do a shitload of interviews to promote an album now. And uh, for someone like me, that's great. But for you guys, I know that can be, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe I don't you seem to be enjoying it, but I know it's, it can bog some people down. Well, you know, I'm going through a lot of tough personal stuff right now, which you'll probably ask me about, I'm assuming. Um, and because of that, it's just fantastic to be able to get the break of being to come and talk about the records, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, tell me about, tell me about this record. What is, what do you feel is different about cycle of contempt from the other records in the, in the discography? Well, one thing that's definitely different is, is that this one had a better, much, much better budget, much more uh, time. We were allowed to spend working on this one and getting it the way we wanted it. Plus, we are uh, more accomplished, I guess, as musicians. We're older, we're wiser. Uh, we, we know we know we know our way around our instruments better, and the, the sound quality is, I think, superior in just about every way to previous releases. You know, you get the purist guys who get get all excited about the fact that if it doesn't sound hundred percent like it was made in 1984, but you know, I didn't want to make a record that sounded like it was made in 1984. I've got bad news for those guys. I'm sorry, <laughs> but. I wanted it to sound like we made it now and uh, take advantage of the fantastic technology without it sounding overproduced, which was really important to me because that is a problem that, that happens with some uh, metal these days is there's a little too many, uh, too many uh, chefs in the kitchen and too many effects and ingredients uh, put into the sound to make it a little bit uh, watered down or, or not as authentic sounding. So we got an authentic raw kick-ass sounding record, but it just sounds like maybe there's a little more finesse to it, but it's just as brutally heavy as we've ever been and that was really important to me and that was my intention when we when we wrote it well and some most of the guys in this lineup have been around pretty much for how long how long you've been working with this full lineup well this this is the original bass player um so the guy i started the band with in 1983 and uh, he's been back in the band for over 10 years again now and he was with me back at the beginning so we know him real well and the singer's been with me since 1988 so it's funny because he's our second singer and people still call him the new singer. <laughs> new, forever. New, yeah. in, you know, like 30, uh, 34 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he's still the new guy. And so he, yeah, so there's a lot, there's a very familiar uh, working guy. Now our drummer's been in the band since 2014. He took a little period off and we had a, a very good replacement to fill in for him for a six month stint. But he's been with us for most of the last, uh, you know, uh, eight years. So he's he's solid. So you know, this is my favorite lineup of the band. Um, not to not to uh, uh, you know criticize any other lineups, but just I just find the chemistry with this group is just the best I've ever experienced. So mm-hmm. a lot of fun to work with these guys. Do you find being in Razor now more fun, or maybe just more enjoyable? like is than ever before or is or maybe in the in the way that it's your expectations are entirely different yes it's way more fun now <laughs> way more fun <laughs> it's just more fun because you know i'm an older guy and I'm, I'm i'm mostly in this for the fun and just uh the experience i mean um it's funny how the band seems to be getting bigger uh than maybe we ever were and I, and when i hadn't focused on that goal quite as intensely as i did back in the day you know yeah, it just seems yeah. to be happening it's almost like when you when you uh 
meet somebody, you, you fall in love with somebody, you say, you know, uh, when I'm trying too hard to meet somebody, it doesn't work out. When I least had expected it, all of a sudden I ran into the, the person, you know, the woman of my dreams or whatever. This kind of stuff is uh, the same. It's just like uh, not not focusing on trying to expand the band's audience that much. And it just seems to be happening, you know? Yeah. So it's, yeah, I'm having a lot more fun now. That's that's an interesting byproduct of fun is usually success. Not always, you know, but <laughs> just the, the more relaxed approach uh, pays off somehow. Maybe with a little more patience, but that, that comes with it. Yeah. Um, the uh, the single you put out was a field, Flames of Hatred. It starts with that razor chant. And I love that. And I love that as I love that as a way to start a we'll I'll just call a comeback album, even though not not quite, but you know what I mean. Um where did yeah, where did you get yeah. the idea for that? Where did that come from? Is that a recording from somewhere? Did you guys do that on your own? Yeah, that's 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 a that's authentic. That's from uh, we played uh uh no, I said the band was retired <clears throat> mainly between the ninety-two and twenty ten. We did do performances, but just one-offs here and there. And we yeah. made an album during that period too. That wasn't really that wasn't a like a to me a, a, a going album. It was just something I, I could talk about that on a different uh, in a different way. But the album Decibels in 1997 did come out, um, and we played Wacken Festival or they call it Wacken over there uh, yeah. in Germany and uh, 99. And again, we got a beautiful uh, headlining spot. We were on there on Saturday night at 8:30 at night, and that was the audience. That was that reason nice. chance from that from that show. That's very cool. And I like decibels. So whatever you call that album, I do. I like that one. Um, the, <laughs> the recording of this one, you mentioned you started it. Uh, I forget what year you said you started. But you started it a few years ago. And I know there was some issues with the with the session drummer. And then there's the pandemic. Right. Do you, right. In hindsight, are, are these delays and issues, were the, did they benefit Cycle of Contempt? Or were they a problem the whole way through? I would say they it probably, I might, might call that a draw. They might have helped a little bit. Um, maybe we didn't feel as much pressure to, to rush anything, but I would say probably it didn't make much of a difference. I think we could have done this. We could have done it a couple of years sooner without the, without the pandemic because we had to take like a year and change off where we couldn't even hang out together for a while. I mean, when the first pandemic first started, remember everybody was just under lockdown, so I uh, <laughs> couldn't see my couldn't see my bandmates for I forget how many months it was before we could even get back together. So, uh, yeah, I would say that it probably ready to pop the question. The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It probably slowed things down a little bit, but I don't think it really overall affected the quality at all or the ability. It didn't make the record better, but that by giving us the extra time or anything like that. Yeah. 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 
Well, you uh, we talked about a little bit about Flames of Hatred and the, the chant that opens it up, and that's that song's been out for a little while now. What's the feedback you've gotten from that track so far? Very, very good overall. I mean, uh, again, that that track, I haven't had a lot of time to keep an eye on all the stuff that's been going on. I've just been hearing secondhand from a lot of people that it's, it's been very well received. Um, and, you know, uh, this is uh, my opinion, but that track, that does kick off the album. It's not my favorite track on the album. I think there are stronger songs. I think there are better tracks on the album. So I, I'm thinking if people like that one as much as they do, that's only a good thing that when they see what comes <laughs> after, they're going to probably find songs they may like even more. You know? Yeah, I, well, it's not my favorite either. But what? But there. <laughs> but it's a, it is a you good one. But huh? you've been able to hear the well. Yes, I have. Yes, I've, I've listened to it a, a lot, quite a bit actually, uh, awesome. and uh, and and I do really enjoy it. And. I noticed one of the things that I've, I've seen you quoted on is that you kept you kept a lot of the lyrics, um, how do you say, kind of not vague, because they're not vague, but uh, universal. And uh, yeah. you, you write, write that way intentionally. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I try to write from a perspective where um, I'm sharing experiences or feelings that I have, but I'm trying to uh, tie them together in a way where a person listening uh, can can make that personal to their own situation, and it, 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 the lyrics are, uh, you know, they're 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 I would say vague, but they're um, written in such a way as a guy could hear that and relate to them his own situations, as opposed to you know sometimes you write a song specifically about a specific uh, situation. I I would write just about an overall uh, uh, feeling you have when you're in that situation and, and put it across that way. But the way you're feeling about the situation as opposed to one specific incident. Now, mm -hmm. there are a couple of songs that are one specific incident in that, in that album. Um, All Fist Fighting is the one where there's a one incident where there was a, a, a bar fight that had broken out in a situation. And that, that was one incident. And that was written by my singer. But most of the songs are written, like I say, uh, you know, a general, generalized uh, contempt. And contempt's the right word. And that's yeah. why the album cycle of contempt, because there's there's a lot of that throughout the lyrics on the album. So, yeah, it sounds pissed off. You know, <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. a lot of the lyrics are they're pretty direct and to the point. And but I was I was totally going to ask about the uh, the office fighting song, because that sounds like that's like a story. You know, that's a, there, there's yeah. something specific being talked about there. Uh, the one that I really liked, yes. uh, well, is well, one of the ones that I really liked is first rate hate. Um, and uh, I don't know. There's there's a lot of cool tracks on here, though. But I want to ask you about Crossed. Who who else is doing vocals on Crossed? Right. So Crossed is Danko Jones on the second uh, the second gotcha. uh, uh, verse, and the third verse is Rob Urbanati, singer for Sacrifice. So yeah, that's the three guys: Bob the first the first verse, Danko the second, and Rob the third. Yeah, and that's all Canadians, that's right? All Canadians. Yeah, they're all my buddies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Metalheads. I mean, Danko, Danko plays a style of very hard rock, and it's very yeah. humbling. But he's also a he's a he's a hardcore metalhead. He just loves the heavy extreme stuff. So uh, it was a, it was a pleasure to get him on there. That's what I've heard. I've heard he's uh, he's pretty pretty well known all over. But I've heard he's uh, very in the metal, and uh, this is obviously yeah. a case of that. Um, the uh, <laughs> what do you what are you looking forward to most about the release of this record? I guess, yeah, that's the question. 
Okay, I'm hoping that we continue to get the same kind of positive reaction that we've gotten up to this point. I, I believe we will because um, I think I know what my audience is looking for. I, I try to deliver the goods there. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm, lo I'm looking forward to getting a chance to perform for people. And I'm um, hoping next year is going to be a big year for us to do that. I've got uh, my agents uh, talking to me right now. I'm, 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 this is a good problem to have, a lot of overwhelm because so much stuff is happening, and it's, it's yeah. great. That's exactly what I want. I want to be overwhelmed with opportunities, and that seems to be what's happening for us. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting out and just doing what we probably wanted to do in the 80s and didn't get a chance to do, so now we're going to do it. Yeah. Well, you mentioned you mentioned your health issues and things that you've been going through uh, in the recent years. Has that changed your approach on how you're doing Razor now? Definitely, because I've, I've lost my eyesight in my, my central eyesight. Um, so mm -hmm. I still have my peripheral, which is out of the sides of my eyes. That's peripheral is how you see 3D. So I won't bump into any walls or anything. But looking directly at something, I can't um, I can't see it. So like even when we're doing this interview, you and I are on the uh, uh, you know, we're looking on the, the screen here. Um, I'm not really seeing you. I'm right. seeing your silhouette kind of because I can't see the details. And that created a problem, obviously, for every aspect of my life. But especially, uh, um, you know, just if I drop something or I can't read normally, I've got I've got assistive devices, which I use for everything. So my computer has, uh, you know, assistive software. Um, I've got, obviously, the iPad already has pretty cool features, so there's no problem with stuff like that. And then I have extremely, ridiculously thick glasses that uh, I can use to look at something if I need to see it. On the guitar, what I have is I have glow-in-the-dark tape on my frets, and I hit it with uh, um, uh, ultraviolet light, uh, a little flashlight I have backstage for about 10 minutes before we get on stage, and it glows for two or three hours. So regardless oh, cool. of the lighting condition, even if the lights are off, I can see the fret positions with my peripheral vision. makes it much easier to pick up the fret positions. So I can't really see my hands on the fretboard, but I can feel my way around, and I've gotten used to that. It's been like 20 years. My, my, my right eye started going bad on me in 97, and by 2002, it had spread to my left. Um, conditions called Stargardt's dystrophy, S-T-A-R-G-A-R-D-T. That's the condition I have with my eyes. Um, it's just basically loss of your central vision, um, and uh, it sucks. That would be the best thing I could say about it. But I have adapted. I figured out ways to cope with it for performing and also in my own home and just about everywhere I go. I'm never too far from magnifying glasses. They're always around. They help me get through things. Wow, that's pretty. That's pretty impressive. Did you, um, did you, did somebody help you uh, come up with these techniques, or did you figure all this stuff out on your own? Did that because that the glow in the dark uh, UV light tape that's pretty genius. Yeah, that was me. That was me. I thought about it. I mean, I was trying to figure out what could I do. At first, I tried color tape, and uh -huh. quickly realized that that's okay if it's bright out, but or <laughs> bright on stage. But then if they dim the lights, I have a problem, right? So then we went from fluorescent tape that we tried, but eventually I started thinking of a glow-in-the-dark, right? For a while, I was using these glow-in-the-dark stars that kids use to decorate their ceilings at night yeah. in their rooms, right? Because I couldn't find, I never realized glow-in-the-dark tape actually existed. Then I found an industrial supply uh, uh, website that sells a lot, everything, and they sell this really butt-kicking uh, glow-in-the-dark tape. Because if you just get, uh, uh, certain kinds of stuff, they only glow for about five minutes and then they lose mm -hmm. the edge. 
Um, and that's not really helpful. You have to keep hitting them with ultraviolet light throughout the whole show, which I was doing for a while. I had to keep this thing in my pocket and every song I had to do it, which sucked. Now I have tape that I, don't, I only do it before the show and I'm good for hours. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, I love the way you've adapted to that. But ha has, does, do, do these things, um, not necessarily the site, but does it affect what Razor can do as far as shows? Uh, does there, is, are you able to tour still? Is that even an option? Is that something you're trying to do with Razor? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I could do that. Yeah, and we will be doing some of that uh, coming up next year. Absolutely. Um, the only issues I have with Sight, um, I do have people helping me. I have assistants at the shows always uh, to help me. And I have, uh, you know, when we travel, you know, uh, the guys in the band help me. Uh, mostly Mike, the bass player. He's like my right-hand guy. He he keeps, uh, you know, anything that requires my eyesight, he helps helps me with. And uh, on stage, just the glow-in-the-dark tape. I need somebody with a little flashlight to make sure I know where I'm going. And then they put some fluorescent tape on the stage to mark off certain parts of the stage so I don't fall off it. Because that would be not, <laughs> well, that might make a nice YouTube moment, but we don't want we don't want that to happen. Hey, whatever it takes to go viral, you know? Yeah, uh, no, right. That might be <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I don't want that to happen. But uh, mm -hmm. so, so Cycle of Contempt is September 23rd, Relapse Records. You mentioned Flames of Hatred isn't your favorite song. What is your favorite song? On this new record, I would say uh, maybe I have a few favorites, but probably ones that jump out to me uh, right away. Off My Meds is one of my favorites. Um, mm -hmm. I like Jabroni, of course. I noticed this. I did not know this, but I found this out already just from doing the interviews. In Europe, they don't really understand the term jabroni that well. <laughs> this is a, this is a North American term because we have the wrestling culture seems to be more over here, right? Dwayne Dwayne yeah. Johnson, right? So uh, jabroni is is his his uh, his uh, original creation, and uh, it's uh, you know so I'm explaining it to the people in Europe and they they're getting a kick out of it, right? But that's one of my favorites. Off my meds, uh, probably uh, probably those are my top two right there. Probably I like first grade a lot too. Good, good. Well, I like all this as well. But the um, Jabroni obviously mentioned The Rock. Are you a big wrestling guy? Uh, I'm a wrestling guy, but not a. I wouldn't know if I'm big. I used to be big. I used to be yeah. big. But no, funny thing about me, because I'm an old man. I hate to. I'm 58 years old. Okay, so I've been around for a while, and I grew up in the late 60s, early 70s, mid 70s, and I liked that period of wrestling, and that was the real, you know, like no, it was right before the WWE. F used to be called. Now it's the WWE, right? Right. And right. so right before the Hulk Hogan era and the Iron Sheik, right before that, it was a lot more just um, I don't know how to explain it, but it wasn't quite as Hollywood, but it mm -hmm. was it was more it was more in your face. It was more like F you, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I really enjoyed that era. And that was the era that I really got into. But uh, you know, enough that I keep my eyes on what's happening to this day, but more more of that that era was my for me the classic period. I get it. I, I get it. And only that I don't, I'm not a wrestling guy, but of course I feel like every, I feel like every boy has a wrestling phase growing up, you know? And for me, that's like, I was like that's, that that's me. Too. Yeah. For me, it was the late eighties, early nineties stuff. Right. Right. That, so you, like yeah, the Hulk Hogan yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. You know, my, my drummer, he's a younger guy. I mean, he's, he's in his mid thirties. He's, he's a huge wrestling guy to this day. Now, I don't know a lot of them, the guys now. Um, I know some of the big names, but, um, you know, like Steve Austin and like uh, Dwayne Johnson and some of them. But 
the truth is, is that um, I wrote this song as an entry song for a wrestler as he comes into the ring. You know, I'm hoping someday maybe some wrestler decides that's the song he wants to have play as he walks in the ring. Because it's basically, I'm going to kick your ass. And it specifically refers to what I get in the ring at some point in that song. So that's what that song is. That's a wrestler telling another wrestler you're going to get your ass kicked. We need to get the word out there. You need to get that, to get on the wrestling the wrestling so- social media circuit and start yeah, pumping this I one out. Yeah, to help me. I got my publicist guys to help me with some of that. Come on, John. <laughs> well, um, John's yeah, awesome. uh, yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, Razor has such a long history at this point and sure there's, there's breaks in it, but if somebody were getting into Razor now, where would you direct them to start? Where, where would you, where do you want someone to start when they listen to Razor? Do you want them to start? If they were getting into us now. Well, yeah. if it's after September 23rd, I'm going to say start with cycle. Right. Yeah. If it's before that and they want to get into us right now, I would say put on shotgun justice or violent restitution. Yeah. Those would be my two choices. And you, I assume you're saying that. Well, I, obviously, I think that's what most people would say, too. But what I understand is that's the era that you feel like you're pulling most from with cycle of contempt. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That's the era that I feel my personal opinion is my favorite era of the band. And um, Violent Restitution was our most successful release up to this point. Um, and so I want to, uh, I decided that's that's the style I wanted this album to be in. So, yeah, for sure. Well, the uh, you, we briefly touched on uh, Decibels in 97. Uh, so this is the other the other album, the other comeback album, so to speak. Is there any danger? Do you feel is there any danger of kind of just going away again after one record like this? I would think that would be the case if the record wasn't that good. I feel the record's really good. And I think just like I believed back in the 80s that this style of music should be um, sticking around, I was a little surprised at the way the world seemed to just move on past this style of music uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. Things were very trendy and very... Things are different now. The trendiness of stuff isn't the same because the internet obliterated that culture and i'm so grateful that they that it did because that's what it was it was just this you know like whatever the big media decided was what you were getting to see and whatever the biggest record companies the biggest money that's what you were getting we have a leveler playing field now and i'm so happy about it you know some people complain about it you know like like honestly metallica sued napster back 20 years ago the biggest boys, and I love Metallica, so I, I, know, I don't know why I'm saying it this way, but uh, the truth is, though, the biggest boys may have felt like the pinch of the, the industry changing uh, because, you know, the way to make money now is you have to go up and play live and sell merchandise, whereas the old days, record sales may have made a bigger part of your revenue. But things have changed, but truthfully, uh, I think if you make a good, solid record, 30, 40 years from now, people will still be interested in it if it's got the, the quality. Yeah, so I, that's I we- think... You found that out with 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 Razor stuff, and uh, and I think other I think other people are going to continue. It's it's nice that it's there's so much stuff you can actually just discover now. It's so easy. I mean, I, uh, being my age, I'm in late late thirties, right? So I got to experience kind of both, right? I, I got the right. world before, yeah. like come, as I was growing up, you bought CDs, you bought records, you bought tapes, whatever. And then when I was in college, you know, I learned all all about the internet, right? That's when streaming happened when I was in high school or Napster, sorry. So I I got to see, you know, both sides of it. And uh, 
I know we get a little nostalgic about how great it was to discover music by word of mouth and by looking through the thanks lists and just buying shit based off the cover. But it is really nice to be able to just listen to everything and find, and I, I'm doing this every day, going going down rabbit holes, finding old bands, not necessarily new bands, old bands. And uh, and Razor is a great example of the, uh, the positive part of that. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Cycle of Contempt, Relapse Records, going to say it again, September 23rd. I guess that's it. Is there any is there any plans to uh, tour in the near future? Any record release shows? Anything like that? Well, right now I'm going to set up. Uh, I'm going to like I say. I'm I'm focusing on this big pusher promotionally, and then show announcements mm-hmm. are going to come pretty much around the release date. Um, we're, we are booked for the only American one that's 100 percent confirmed and announced right now is Houston uh, next March. We're at Hell's Heroes Fest. Uh, we're playing that one. We played it before. It's a great amazing festival and uh, but there's going to be a lot of announcements so i would just recommend to people to uh, check out razorband.com uh, we'll have the show announcements and also follow me on social media dave carlo razor if you just type in dave carlo razor all one word into google you'll see my twitter my instagram all that stuff in that direction of everything that's going on with the band Thank you. 
So there you have it. That was my conversation. You. So there you have it. That was my conversation with Dave. And the song you just heard was A Bitter Pill from Cycle of Contempt. That record will be out September 23rd on Relapse Records. Get it everywhere, wherever you can get it. Do what you must do. There's a video for that track, A Bitter Pill, over on YouTube. Um, you can go check that out. Well, maybe it's not a video. It's a lyric video. Whatever. You know how they do these things. Everything's a video on YouTube. Go check it out. Big thanks to Dave for taking the time to talk to me. A pleasure, as I mentioned. Um, I guess that's going to be it for this week's episode. I don't know why I said this week because it's not a weekly show. It's a whenever I want to show. Anyway, keep an eye out on the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. I will be appearing on there relatively soon. Probably by the end of the month, as Mr. McGacky told me. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Go to gettingitout.net. Check out what's going on. But first, finish listening to this podcast. This song from Epic of Unlight. It's called Night Hunt. And it's off of their new record, which releases this week. It's called At War with the Multiverse on Dark Horizon Records. Check it out. And thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Nowhere
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 